We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Wednesday afternoon. Timberwolves beat the Portland Trailblazers on on Tuesday in Portland. We had Kyle on to immediately react to that. I have Britt Robson of MinPost today who spent this morning writing a column. I'm off of that game, off of Anthony Edwards in particular. So Britt, I'm just uh the story of the moment is is very clearly Anthony Edwards. You, you mentioned in your piece you wanted to go a different direction with it, but um, ultimately found talking about Ant to be kind of unavoidable. And I I, I thought you just nailed it. I, I thought you nailed the the Ant column and not only where he's coming um, or where he's grown, but kind of uh, you know who he is, and um, that really. To me, that resonated with me because I think if we're watching this team every night, you're kind of, as a fan, you're, you're falling in love with Anthony Edwards, not only the player, but but the person as well. And he's he's kind of he's kind of coming to define this team. Yeah, well, and also he's he is the guy. If you say Carl Anthony Towns, if you say D'Angelo Russell. You, you begin to look at things, you squint, you say, you know, that might be a playoff team, but, you know, that'll be something. And if we pick up another piece, we may get a first round, you know, victory or whatever. But then you see what somebody like Ant does last night. And you say, this guy's 20 years old. Um, this isn't obviously the first time he's done it, but he's adding things to his game, even as he does the things that everybody moves over, myself included. He's also basically backfilling a lot of stuff and his inattention on off ball. I mean, on ball on defense can sometimes great and his shot selection when the threes aren't going sometimes can sometimes great, but it's because we're getting spoiled. You know, we can nitpick a 20 year olders youthful uh, indiscretions, Meanwhile, the same 20-year-older is making a beeline for being one of the, you know, top 20 players in the NBA. I mean, I don't think that's at all no. uh, pessimistic. Uh, I mean, optimistic. I, I just <laughs> I, I just think that uh, 
he is the reason why this organization um, has a gear that includes a sustainable future um, of being like some guy in Sacramento's favorite team, some guy in Grand Rapids, Michigan's favorite team. Uh, oh, he, I got you. Yeah. He, he's the guy who is going to, you know, when you go, let's, let's, uh, who's on league pass tonight? Oh, the Wolves are playing the Grizzlies. Let's watch Anthony Ja, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. and Tim Wolves fans um, had a very different version of that with Garnett. Um, and Garnett, unfortunately, was saddled with, you know, pretty bad personnel, except for that one year he had two guys. Ant has those two guys who are older than him. Um, and they may come through. They may be the guys that stick around. But they may also be people who get traded for more complimentary guys. The bottom line is, you know, in 2027, uh, there's a very good chance that Anthony Edwards is a multiple all-star and the Wolves are, you know, a playoff appearance for the Timberwolves is commonplace. Um, that's all possible. And sometimes we forget, like I said, we get spoiled. And then, he, you know, he, he drops 21 points in 11 minutes at a, in a game that the Wolves really needed to win. Um, and this is after getting 19 in the first half. You know, that was like prelude. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the bottom line is this is a guy with a ceiling that is higher than anybody has ever had in the Timberwolves organization, including KG and including uh, Kevin Love, because um, KG. A higher ceiling than KG? Yeah, a higher ceiling. That doesn't mean he'll make it. But Hmm. I can see, you know, when KG was 20, he was putting up comparable seasons to what, you know, the, what uh, his second or third year compared to Ann's second or third year, comparable, um, you know, not playoff. I mean, not all-star game stuff, but um, he does have that ceiling. Now that kind of overhypes him because KG delivered on most of his ceiling, if not all of right. it, you know, I, I'm just saying that I think Ann has room to be a volume scorer in a way KG never could. I don't think it's likely that Ant can become close to the defender KG became, but I don't think it is ridiculous to suggest that somebody with that much athleticism, who's that coachable, who does seem to have an inner competitive motor, can't be a lockdown defender. Um, so, you know, I was it, let me, I was pulling some numbers today because you did a good job of really highlighting the the shooting growth in in your column but i think when we in just in the aggregate probably the thing or the biggest leap at least statistically has been on defense yes he was just in terms of defensive effective plus minus he was a 22nd percentile defender last year and a 74th percentile offensive player this year he's 67th percent on defense and 92nd in terms of offense. So while that's he's reaching an elite level of status offensively, um, we, we've kind of crossed the barrier into above average or at least average level offensive player. Those, n- those numbers aren't perfect, but I think, 
I think it is representative to say that he was a very low-level defender last year and a solid offensive player. And now he's becoming an elite-level offensive player with kind of like an average defensive floor. And that's, yes. at 20, year old, 20 years old, that is pretty special. And somebody who won't hurt a very good defense staying out there for 30 minutes. Right. I mean, Garden Garden CJ last night. It, right. It's been interesting in the last two games, no Patrick Beverly, so Ant's defensive duties have ramped up, right? They put uh, McDaniels on Harden in the Brooklyn game, which puts Ant on Kyrie. Right. That would normally be Pat Bev. Then last night, Finch decides to go with McDaniels on Simons and puts Ant on CJ McCollum the whole time. And he's he's more than even holding his own in those individual matchups. Whereas my kind of, even as the season started rolling on, I thought he was going to derive his defensive value as kind of a free safety, right? Play the passing lanes, get steals, right. get out and run. Um, and he does. Yeah, and, and and he does that, but... But this is this is the newest thing to me defensively is I'm like, okay, like you can square up and guard, you know. And I think we saw that in the fourth quarter last night because I mean, for good and for bad, Ant is the type of player who's gonna ratchet ratchet up his, you know, right, his energy and his intention when the game calls for it, when the opponent calls for it. And that that that's the upside you speak to, right? Is that, you know, what does it look like when that's when that dial's turned all the way up for an extended period of time, you start thinking about a playoff series. Like, Ant's not going to come into any playoff game where his head's in the clouds right. and he falls asleep for two quarters. Like, that dude's going to... The, the stadium, home or away, is going to be rocking. It's going to be on national TV. And the kid knows that stuff. Right. And and that... that and it, it just... Kyle put it well last night when I was talking to him. It, it like it charges him up. It like electrocutes him. Right, right. In a way, and and as you you, I mean, you kind of took a, a different path with that in your column of <laughs> kind of unlocking. You you compared him to everything single superhero I've ever heard of, and a couple <laughs> and, a, and a couple I haven't heard of. Um, but he has that gear. That's the point, right? Right. Is is he has as he has these gears that that he can turn on, and as the games matter during the second half of the season into a playoff series, like, I, I don't know. I, I think you can only anticipate more supercharged ant the rest of the way. And you know what's really fun about this is that normally you might worry that the two max stars start to feel threatened about the yep. alpha status. Carl yep. Anthony Towns was like King Beta last night. He, he basically did a lot of the grunge and uh you know people wondered cat had kind of disappeared in some ways but he also was doing work and um if you know our friend Andy Grimsrud who was you know very very down on the Timberwolves on a fairly consistent basis <laughs> at the beginning of the season did say something I think that was really uh somewhat perceptive which was if you can get Cat sometimes out of his uh, monster scorer role and into his uh, complementary, uh, you know, helper role as you star know, in his role, as he says, yeah, yeah. Um, then you can really unlock some people. And I think that 
And Delo seems to be the same way. I mean, Delo, I, I didn't make it to the press conference because I went to bed right after the game because I wanted to write this morning, but I did catch it later. And, you know, they were on a comedy team next to each other. I mean, it was kind of funny to just see him. But Delo's totally it was on, so funny. Delo's totally on board. And so you have this situation where these two vets who are max salary vets, um, who are both looking at deals next year, um, they are, at least on the surface, and it appears to be more than that, it appears to be genuine, are really into this idea that this kid is going to be so special that everybody is going to ride this boat to the playoffs and, you know, make do some business, you know? Well, and, and you need that. You need exactly. They're smart enough to know that you need that for sure. You know, as Kat said forever, you know, he's been putting up numbers his right. whole career and, and not winning. It would be so ignorant on his part to not understand that he needs this level of support. Every star player in the league I needs this level surprised. of support. I'm still surprised. I mean, he has been, you know, with the exception of the Butler years, the quote unquote, you know, guy who mm -hmm. stirs the drink. And arguably, you could make a case that he's still the best player on this team right now. He is. Let's just state. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, team. you know, we're we're less than twelve or fourteen hours away from Ant demolishing the Blazers, so I, it's a harder thing to say. But yes, no. you're probably right. It's a, it's a complimentary thing to say that right, Ant right. can be that, and that Cat can still clearly be the best player in the team. You know, what's interesting to me about the the, the you mentioning the Ant ceiling over KG, and I, I I kind of think about it in the context of positions, right? Right. That's was part KG's, of it. yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna ask. Is is part of KG's ceiling being somewhat capped a fact, like a, a product of him being a big? And you could probably speak to that more in the the context of that time. Yeah, he was but, the golden age of power forward, so it wasn't so much of a detriment as being a four would be now a genuine four like KG is. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the game has changed so much. Um, if I knew what KG's career could be like at age 20 now versus what Ants is like 28 at age 20 now, I might put KG's ceiling in, on that level because KG would market the hell out of it. And unfortunately, marketing who you are, whether guilelessly like Ant or somewhat consciously like KG, you know, KG was a growler. KG was a, you know, take no shit, you know, take no prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that you have to back up your brand. I think that is a source of motivation that was not there as much uh, 30 years ago. And right. it can be to the detriment. It can be something. And, and, and to be honest, um, in some ways, it may have saved some chuckleheads back then. You know, J.R. Smith might have, you know, had an outlet for that brand chasing and, and you know, done better on the court or, you know, pick any other right. guy you want to think of. It It's interesting in the context of Cat and Ant are simultaneously happening, too. And as great as Cat is, there seems to be a cap to his superstar upside yes. based on his positioning or, or, or the position that he plays. And what is cool is that 
he has begun to, uh, I think, consciously, um, well, whether consciously or not, he has begun to work against the cat is a toxic guy to have on your roster narrative pretty well. Um, you know, he's, I don't know if he's uh, ever going to be super, you know, leadership popular in the locker room, but I think that the way he is governing himself on the court in terms of what he does for his teammates and the way that Chris Finch is molding this team, um, the idea that not only is Ant blossoming as we all expected him to at some point in time, but Jared Vanderbilt and Jalen Noel are doing the kinds of things for chump change that you need, good teams need. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, Vando at 4 million, Noel at, what is it, 2 million or 1.8 or something. Right. Not even, yeah. I mean, no. that's insane to get to get that much value out of less than $6 million. Um, you know, as I say, hats off to Gerson Rosas and Sasha Gupta, who are the people behind that, those salaries um, right. and, and those judgments. But what that also does is it makes your number one pick two years ago be playing for a playoff berth that doesn't have a play-in game rather than being somebody who's, you know, mucking around looking at, you know, seed 11, which is kind of what I thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. It was. This is super basic, but you just kind of highlighted it in the piece and the, the shooting. The, the oh. shooting is on another level from Anthony Edwards, and every and, and single every single distance, he's yeah. better. He's better from zero to three. He's better from three to ten. He's better from ten to sixteen. He's better from sixteen to twenty-three. He's better beyond the arc. He's better at the free throw line. Mm -hmm. More accurate every place. The <laughs> it's weird to talk about this because I think why he's kind of hit another level over the past few weeks is is finally a greater intention for attacking the rim and, and playing with more of that force. But it, they do go hand in hand. Like the three-point threat does open that up more. And Which is what he said. Call, I mean, it's so... <laughs> it's what he said. 29.4% in college from three. Last year, 33% from three. October, the first five games of the season... 32% from three. November, 35% from three. December, 40.6% from three. And now in January, on over nine attempts per game, 40.9% from three. I mean, it's this is the evolution of a shooter. It's like he's it, Duncan Robinson inside Zion's body or something. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it's crazy that, you know, he can go into the paint and just bowl people over. Mm -hmm. And then step outside and and be like Buddy Heald, be like Fred Van Vliet. I mean, the, the numbers those guys are putting up, the Heels and the Van Vliet's and the Stephen Curry's, that's his neighborhood from distance right mm -hmm. now. Ant, 37.6% from three. Steph Curry, 37.3% from three. Fred Van Vliet, 39.3% from three. And Buddy Heald, 38% from three. And those three guys are the only guys in the NBA right now 
that are making more threes per game than Ant is. Not Duncan Robinson. I mean, right. there's only three guys that are making more threes than Ant, and Curry is 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 over 12 attempts a game. Right. Um, so he he doesn't shoot them as accurately as Ant does right now. Crazy as that sounds. Um, and then, but he's the only one of those three players who's also shooting over 50 percent from two. And actually, he, oh, Ant is yes, Ant is Ant. the only one, right? Yeah. Curry is second at 48-4. Uh, but Ann is shooting 50.5 from two, in addition to being right in their neighborhood for threes. We're just, we have an above average shooter now in terms, even uh, even with the volume that normally drives it down, you have an above average true shooting percentage, 94th percentile usage rate, very, very high volume player in, in, that, in that capacity. And he's shooting, I mean... 37.6% from three, 51.2% from two. The cleaning glass has a points per shot attempt stat per 100 shot attempts. And last year, 100 shot attempts for Ant generated 103.6 points. This year, it's 113.5. That's immense. Yes, that's incredible. And he's 20. And, right. And part of this, I guess I'll just speak on my behalf, I feel like I've kind of missed happening. Well, like I said, you know what I mean? Uh, well, you hear how often on Twitter and in our conversations, do you hear me stare at the nits and say, Hey, yeah. you know, uh, I wish he, he should go to the rim more. I mean, you know, he's bailing them out or I'll say, you know, yeah, he's, he's great off ball. But every now and then he just zones out on on-ball defense. Um, right. You know, I mean, I don't say that about Jalen Noel very often or, you know, right. I mean, whoever. I mean, or Cat, for that matter. I don't just automatically say, well, um, you know, they're not doing this. Um, the guy is a generational offensive talent. And if he's merely average on defense, I mean, that's the other crazy thing. He gets to... Only John Morant gets to more loose balls, recovers more loose balls than in. I mean, he's out there grabbing stuff. Um, his deflections are second on the team to Vandos, and within the top twenty, uh, within the top fifty or twenty-five, I can't remember what it is now. Uh, but there's all kinds of stuff that indicates that he is. John Krasinski did a great piece on him at the beginning of the season where Ant will gull us, will lull us to sleep with this, you know, cool, you know, laid back dude. <clears throat> but he did say something that I quoted in the piece, which is that I spent too much time in the gym to worry about my game. You know I mean? <laughs> right. I mean and, and it shows. I mean, his improvement only happens if you don't become that much better a shooter after being what you were in college, being what you were most of your rookie year, being what you were the first month of the season, unless you were working. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it is something to stop and kind of um, marvel at, I guess, you know, and we get so caught up in this day-to-day, -day, particularly I think this season where kind of every day, I think rightfully deserves sort of a referendum on where you're at in the standings, where like right. where the the 
even the past three or four games are trending in terms of offense, in terms of defense, and this and that. And again, on, on my behalf, I think I have gotten too caught up in, in a lot of that day-to-day nature of this to just understand what these numbers are saying. And it's that Anthony Edwards slowly or gradually has made another leap mm-hmm. this year. And I didn't I didn't know if that was coming. I didn't know if that was coming this season. Well, uh, and we did say, I said at the beginning of the year, and I think you agreed with me that the two most optimistic things to look forward to this year were Finch with the whole season and Ant mm. as a sophomore campaign, whatever you want to call it, second-year player. Um, I, we both, at least I thought, that this was mm-hmm. the two avenues by which this team would become legit. Now, on that front, I missed the development of Vando and Noel. And although, you know, Finch, I'm sure had something to do with that. Um, I did. I mean, that that's the other side. I mean, you're, you're right. The ant thing has happened and the Finch thing has happened. And, and the Finch thing has manifested itself in a couple of individual players who were somewhat out of nowheres, but also has manifested itself in this team starting the year as an awesome defense, maintaining that, and now is manifesting in a in an offensive team that's slowly ticking up um, the, the, the season-long rankings. Have they been the best offense in the NBA this month, or depending on how you cut it? Right. And so we're, we're, we're trending now towards a Chris Finch-led team that is not only a top-10 defense, but also an above-average offense. And, and I think that's directly or indirectly what you were pointing at. But let's take a little, a quick little break here sure. and, and we'll come back. I'm going to talk about CAD a little bit more. Today's episode is brought to you by 20 by 20 Solutions, a Minneapolis-based technology consulting company that works with your business to help you build and sustain success. A great front office puts together a winning team with a coach who can put together a winning strategy. When leadership does its job and it all comes together, that means success. Success in business isn't any different. Business leaders need to find the right mix of technology strategy, and talent to make things really work. And that's never been truer for growing companies. 20 by 20's team has helped grow companies from thousands of customers to tens of millions by helping businesses across a wide range of industries, from consumer technology and healthcare to manufacturing and even human spaceflight. Reach out to Clark and Ben, who are Wolves fans and fans of this show, by emailing them at team at 20 by 20 solutions.com. That's T-E-A-M at 20x20solutions.com. And their team will review your needs and help you put together a plan before you need to make any commitments. 20 by 20 solutions, technology, workflow, architecture, strategy. They're your sixth man on a winning team. All right, we are back um, with Britt Robson of MinPost. Last time, Britt, you joined, we talked extensively um, about Cat. And it was after the Atlanta game, which was a bit of a drag, and it and it and you felt it necessary to, you know, highlight that despite Cat having playing a role in some of that drag, that you know we, we've gotten to this uh, gotten to this point where we we overlook a lot of a lot of Cat's greatness, and it, it's funny to kind of timestamp it in that sort of way because. The two games that have transpired since that Atlanta game have been the Brooklyn game and and last night against Portland. And in both of those games, Cat has only scored three points in the first half in both of them. No foul trouble. Um, He has not been 
the player to marvel at that that we were both kind of asserting last week, though, um, you know, doing doing some things on the margins. It just has. It's been a weird week for Cat, and I don't know uh, what degree to be concerned about it versus what degree um, to be like, okay, he's just starring in his in his role this week. Do you have any anything kind of itching at you in terms of what Cat's done this week? I really think that wins are what matter. Cat's a hard guy to figure out because there's a lot of stray voltage that comes out in his post games as well as in his post ups. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you don't really know uh, whether what he's saying, he himself really believes, whatever. At the end of the day, though, it is something where you can pick and choose what you choose to think he he thinks. I happen to think his constant refrain that we're playing Timberwolves basketball or not, and whatever discussions of the offense come up, him saying the key to our offense is the way we play defense. I don't think those things are uh, are show. I think I think he's embracing that, and I think as a result, um, what we've seen out of him the last two games. I mean, Portland came into this game on fire, uh, especially from deep. And Brooklyn, obviously, even without Durant, has copious firepower. Now, it was great that James Harden decided to have a mood uh, against the Wolves and just totally shit the bed. You know, hats off to him because it gave the Wolves a win, I thought. I, I thought he was terrible in that game. Certainly helped. Oh, I mean, just ridiculous. But um, all that said... Cat contributed to winning against Brooklyn and Portland as much as if he got his usual 25 and 15, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly D'Lo was there earlier, you know, D'Lo began to Mm -hmm. contribute to winning even as he was bricklaying, you know, the first three months of the season. Um, And that's a good comparison. And it has subsequently come on and started hitting shots. Um, to the point where I notice his defense seems to be slacking a little bit more than it did before. But notice that too. You know, but it is something where um one of the b- abiding questions we had coming into this season is could Cat and Delo embrace a way to win that wasn't all about them? And um that's, and I would have said the answer to that is absolutely not. And and I and think, it absolutely has. And that is, that's so exciting. You know I mean? That, um, it's all about, chemistry is all about pecking order and relationships. And I think you have a situation where, obviously, this team likes each other. Uh, Torian Prince, who's become like the new, the latest savior of the rotation. Um, yes, sir. Came in. He's got a chip on his shoulder, of course. He answered my question. And one of the first things I said was coming off the bench. And that's all he heard for the rest of the question I asked him the other night and basically dressed me down for 30 seconds after that. But what I do notice is even though he has a chip on his shoulder, it's not against the coaching staff and it's not against his teammates. You know, he he does seem like he's comfortable in his own skin and being in the role he's in in terms of uh, 
being ready when called. It's not a cliche with him. And that's the type of thing that um, is the sign of if D'Lo or Cat were unhappy in the locker room, somebody like Prince might be unhappy with D'Lo and Cat, you know, because he's a, ve- he's a veteran swallowing his pride. <laughs> Why can't these guys be more team-oriented? I mean, I've seen that happen on so many Wolves teams where, you know, you get a Tom Hammonds or a uh, uh, Cunningham. <laughs> Dean or Garrett. Yeah, well, well, Dean Garrett was didn't have the, didn't have the strength of personality, but uh, Hammonds or a cult, uh, I wanted to say Cole Pepper Cunningham, um, the, yeah. um, you know, guys that have a lot of pride and um, play the game, quote unquote, the right way. Guys like Prince, um, they look around and they get the lay of the land. And uh, if Cat and and D'Lo will be in douchebags it's going to come through, you know? And so that is those points, points to both of those guys. And specifically, as we're talking about cat, I am tending to think that the stray voltage in the post games is much ado about nothing. Even if it's emanating from cat himself, it's like, Mm. I don't pay attention to it. In fact, as you've noticed, I'm less engaged with the whole folder all around the team, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not going to as many press conferences or Zooms or, or keeping track of all this stuff. I find that watching the team and seeing how they play <clears throat> and cherry-picking quotes that seem to resonate with me rather than, you know, really diving into every detail. Now, of course, I have that luxury. I mean, that's one of the great things about my gig, but it will probably it allows you to see cat through a better light. It allows me to see cat through a better light. It has allowed me, you know, as much as I wanted to write about Jalen Noel today. And I did, I really wanted to write about it because I think it's the perfect time to do it. But I tried to write about it for like an hour and a half. (laughs) And all of a sudden I said, shit, I need to write about Ant and boom. You know, all of a sudden I'm on my way. So, you know, but the point is, is that you, if you experience the game without the spin of all the enmeshment that happens because you cover a team, sometimes your instincts are better than that information because that information is agenda driven, whether intentionally or not. Sometimes it is intentional. Sometimes it's not. Yeah, no. And, and cat is the perfect example of that because <laughs> yes. And particularly just after these past two games where, you know, you, you probably, it would have been okay to, to not need for cat to highlight himself, how he was when the superstar doing all the other needed- things. I'm yeah. here with a yeah. cape on in the fourth quarter. Right, right. Exactly. Those are exactly but, the kinds of things where I just, I've learned to just say, ah, you know, good for you. Because Kat. that allows you to see that he is actually still having a very positive impact, even if he is only shooting seven shots in a game like he did last night. Right. Um, I do think there is um, a gray area here. I think there's definitely, um, definitely a gray area. And and also at the end of the day, like I I I don't really care if 
Ant and D'Lo are rolling and he's doing the star stuff in his role, like you're being guarded by Dayron Sharp in the Brooklyn game. All right. Single coverage. Like that demands dominance. It does. And and last night, I mean, I know it was a it was a battle with Nurkic when Nurkic was out there, but Nurkic wasn't out there all the time. Nurkic right. was in foul trouble. Right. And and there, there are times where Cat could be exploding th- exploiting things more than he is. When Nurkic was off, they had Trenton Watford, who I had to look up earlier in the day who that was. Right. He's a, a two-way player who at the combine was listed at six, seven and a half, and as a small forward, he was the backup center. And I know it's not as simple as just go get your buckets because they, the, while the Nets were playing single coverage, the Blazers were not. Right. Their whole offense was about, you know, making it not necessarily harder for Cap, but different. And and it's in those areas where, and again, a credit to Kyle, he he put he put it like this. He's like, the door isn't open for Cat, but it's a jar, you know. And and sometimes he just doesn't walk through it. And there's and it, that requires a little bit more craft, right? It requires you, you can't go to the nail because they're going to have two bodies at you there or, or you can't go to the post. You have to go to the nail, right? You, you have to work from there or they're taking away. Now they're swarming you at the nail. They're not giving it to you in the post. The place in the zone is, is the top of the key. And you need to go back to that quarterback mode and just be, you know, be working from there. So cat cat can step. Even if teams are trying to take him out of it, he's so talented that the, talented that there are other ways for him to impact the game offensively and that is necessary i and i think it will prove to be necessary as they the wolves continue on in this difficult stretch of of opponents coming up where i just if he doesn't take more than seven shots for effectively force more than seven shots it's going to be really hard to beat a golden state it's going to be really hard to beat a phoenix well especially utah because you do have to engage Gobert or have to, you know, penalize Bogdanovich. Uh, you have to, you have to exploit that strategy. Um, but that's such a like, that's such a Utah's such a good example because it makes Cat a passer. But Utah is is such a good defensive team around the attention that. Just Cat becoming a passer and trying to feed Vando in the dunker spot along the baseline, that isn't going to be enough because Utah's going to swarm back to that. Gobert is elite at being able to recover back to, you know, back to his space. So it it demand it doesn't demand Cat to be a passer and oh they're taking me out of this. I'm going to be the role player tonight. It demands finding another way to score. I'm and really Cat. There's play. always other ways for him to score. I'm really curious to see how D'Lo and Noel punish Utah for the way they play. Because Utah doesn't um, – Utah, in a very, very different way than Finch. Finch plays inside out. You know, uh, you, you defend the post and then defend the three-point line or whatever. Um, yep. And yep. and Utah kind of does the same thing, only in a very different way. Obviously, they don't do, they don't do the low man with Gobert there, but yeah. uh, um, but I do think that if if D'Lo remains hot in the first quarter, 
and Noel comes in and has a game, uh, they're going to have to adjust because it's going to be fascinating, man, because this is, that's what Finch talks about. That the Utah defense is what they call the lurking defense. I've called it that for a year. Right. And, and now why I'm fascinated to watch this happen again is since the last time they played Utah and Utah guarded him this way, we've seen the emergence of Jared Vanderbilt as an offensive player, specifically in pick and roll action and simultaneously the emergence of Jalen Noel. So there, so you can just say, okay, you're, you're throwing this hack defense at cap. We are just going to, we are just going to blitz you right. with Vando D'Lo pick and roll. Well, we're going to go with Jalen in isolation. And, and he's only got one guy to beat because you've loaded up on cat side to it. There's ways to be smart and attack this Utah defense because the Wolves now have a larger volume of offensive weapons. I agree with that 100%. I, my guess, and it's obviously only a guess, is that Utah will be much better at taking away Vando. Portland took away Vando's scoring, but did not take away most of his ball movement. Vando was still, yep. I mean, they bottled him up in the paint until he got a little confused, and he did have a few turnovers. But he also was a pretty good, what do you have, six times last night or something ridiculous? Yeah, he led the team in assists. Yep. Yeah. And so Utah won't allow that. I mean, Utah, mm-hmm. I think, is better at, at sealing that. Um, yeah. they, they will not only limit Vando in the paint, but they will cut him off. They will They will make him turn the ball over, which is why I think that Noel and uh, D'Lo are better option, you know, and, and, and of course. I just think the D'Lo Vando option, specifically in the Utah matchup, are it, I know. tied. It, it is because well, of the pick really, and roll. It's really, if Vando has the handle on his catches of the passes and it can be as decisive without worrying about Gobert or Royce O'Neal over his shoulder. Um, I agree with you. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to do that because Utah is so good at what they do. I mean, and then if if they can't, this is what I'm talking about with the cat part. Right. If that doesn't become as good of an option as we think it might be, then it has to be cat. It has to be cat. Absolutely. And I actually think it has to be cat anyway, just to make sure that Vando and Noel and everybody gets a little loose. Loose enough, at least, to get off, you know? Mm-hmm. So, it's it, to yeah. me, of the three games... It's upcoming, the top of the key stuff, man. It's the right. top of the key stuff. It's like we've seen it, like, okay, they can't they can't double you on the... or We're going to not let them double you on the block. We're going to put you at the nail. I like that area. I like right. the mid-post right. area for Cat, and you can work there. But there's another horizon, too. And it's the top of the key, beyond the three-point arc, with a ratcheted-up level of aggression... From Cat, that it's either just shooting over dudes if they're going to run, if they're if it's going to be a small guy on you, right. or it's going to be creating space for that step back there. That like, man, if Cat, the Wolves are going to beat Utah if Cat takes six of those and and he makes three of them. I think that's them. probably true. I mean, I am really looking forward to the Utah uh, Wolves game mm-hmm. more than the other two because I've already assumed defeats. Quite frankly. Um, it's a tough. Uh, I mean, it's. A I mean, tough Golden schedule. State, Dallas was red hot coming into a Golden State. I didn't see a lot of that game, but I saw enough of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that team, when they're healthy, man, 
they're they're I mean now Clay's working himself into shape. Uh Wiggins is being, you know, very coachable. Uh I, I think that one the Wolves can compete with them. Yeah, I'm more concerned about Golden Phoenix. State, I don't know. I mean, Phoenix. No, no, no. I, I'm not picking the Wolves yeah, over the Warriors. Right. I just think that that they they can compete with that team, and it's going to be based on some shooting variance from Steph and and where that's going. The Phoenix matchup, I think, is a lot harder, and not to mention Miles that it's Bridges. a schedule loss. Right. Well, not to mention not to mention a lot of things, right? right. I mean, right. they got to play. They got to play on national TV late on Thursday night. And then they got to go to Phoenix the next day where that game tips off 23 hours after the next. I mean, right. talk about a schedule loss there. But I, the Wolves are at a, at a point where all things equal. They're pumped. They, 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 can, they, can, they can play with those teams, you right. know. Um, and, and sometimes you don't like, you don't know to what degree is that, that travel and, and all that is going to really drag you down. Like, it's just encouraging to not go, or I, I guess I'm disagreeing with you, that I don't think that these are for sure just losses. No, I know. Uh, uh, and I wouldn't bet that mortgage because I like my house. But I also think that uh, if you made me choose, I know what I would choose. Uh, I might, if, if you were asked me which of those three games is an upset special, I would pick Utah. Now, mm. having seen Utah just... That's home too, right? Yeah, that's that's home on Sunday. That helps. Yeah, yeah no, there. It, it just feels like we've been saying well, all three like, of those games are. Yeah. I mean, those teams are really good teams, but they are the Wolves are. What I, what I love about Chris Finch, we just got through talking about you know a schedule loss or whatever. When uh, Katie Storm, the the new Marnie, such as it is. Um, went and uh, asked him about uh, what do you do when you're on this back-to-back and you got to do this and you came in at 3 o'clock in the morning. He said, well, the first thing you do is you don't dwell on what's going on. You don't want to talk them into being tired. I mean, it was such a pure finch, you know. We asked, she asked also, you know, how can they be more consistent? You know, and he said, well, every time you stub your toe, you, there's a bedpost there if you want to blame something. You know? <laughs> it's like Finch is not having any of this, you know? And it's like, uh, why are we dwelling on consistency and um, and tiredness? Uh, just, you know, let's, let's drill down into what we need to do. And so, um, and, and consequently, they probably will exceed my expectations against Golden State right. and Phoenix. Um, but, and it's just going to be fun. I've seen so many Phoenix games this year. It's going to be knowing how Phoenix plays and, and knowing, you know, what the mm. Wolves are doing now. Um, Aiden and Cat. Cat has gotten Aiden in foul trouble, you know, quite a True. bit in recent years. And, and that is, that's an issue for Phoenix. Um, Let's um I feel like this is the least we've ever talked about Chris Finch in the first 45 minutes of a of a podcast. Let's take one more break and kind of uh focus on him and the and the moves that that he's been making here these these last few weeks. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front doorstep. 
You get to skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality, according to Zagat's dining survey. And you can save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your order online or in the app. You can easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. I started using HelloFresh during 2020 when we were in lockdown and cooking every meal at home. And using HelloFresh cut out the grocery store step for me and made it so my whole cooking process became just way more efficient. Every ingredient down to a little packet of salt was included, so I never ran into the issue of cooking a meal at home but not having everything I needed in the house. It helped me make cooking for myself a pattern and not just something that was occasional. I also felt better about what I was eating every day. If you'd like to try HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com more16 and use the code more16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com more16, my last name, all lowercase, and the number 16. And use the code more16 to start using HelloFresh with 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back with Britt Robson, final segment here. Um, We've talked about Anthony Edwards, the 40-point performance uh, against Portland the other night, his dominance of late. We've talked about Cat having a very quiet week in terms of offensive production, Um, but we're also talking about a week in which the Wolves are winning. Uh, They've won their last two games uh, since we, we last recorded after the Atlanta game. They've won eight of their past... 11 games um they're hot and and it's been with a lot of different players a lot of different lineup combinations a lot of guys being on not being on and i i don't know how much to credit like the readiness and just the production of the other guys the torian princes and on on down the line for kind of plugging holes along the way or how much to 
you know, to credit Chris Finch for keeping players like Atorian Prince engaged and and kind of being able to massage lineups with with Patrick Beverly out. What have you seen just from Finch on a on a from a coaching standpoint over this past week and and kind of last few weeks as the Wolves have surged? What I find interesting about Chris Finch is that he has a great capacity to be very blunt and outspoken without throwing his players under the bus. It really is a interesting uh, way he goes about things. He'll say somebody isn't playing very well or we need to do this or whatever, but um, to choose the example du jour in my eyes, during the offseason, he compared Jade McDaniels to Scottie Pippen. He featured McDaniels in Summer League. Um, he had McDaniels penciled into the starting lineup over Vanderbilt, even though he loves Vanderbilt, because he said he wanted Pat Bev beside D'Lo in the backcourt. And so he pumped up Jade McDaniels, and Jade McDaniels has had a bad year relative to expectations, not only Finch's, but mine, yours, anybody who watches this team. We thought that they, uh, that McDaniels was going to take a big step. Uh, he wanted, in particular, Vando to be more than a catch-and-shoot uh, guy on offense, to be more aggressive with the ball, to turn the McDaniels, court. you're talking about. Yeah. You said Vando. You oh, did McDaniels, I say Vando? Right? Yeah, that's easy yeah. for me to do. I, I do that a lot. But um, to, to turn the corner... And to be that way, I think that um, obviously last night finally did it where he said, Mm. I can't keep riding this. We're going to lose games uh, because McDaniels is not as effective as Torian Prince is right now. And uh, it's, it's kind of on me that I pumped up McDaniels to a point where, um, it, it, you know, people are wondering, hey, what's up? You know, uh, he put the pressure on McDaniels uh, without, you know, I mean, sincerely, he really thought that, you know, McDaniels was ready. And throwing in the towel last night on that, I don't know how long that's going to last. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the rotations work. Um, it's kind of like Beasley, man, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You still need him. I don't think Chris Finch doesn't think he needs Jaden McDaniels, it's just, well, you might not have your same carved out amount of minutes every game because, like with Malik, you know, if he's fortunate, if the shot isn't going, he just doesn't make as much sense. And with Jaden, if if he's fouling at a at a high rate, his you know he's losing the he's fumbling the ball. If he's not hitting his shots then it's kind of like, well, what are we doing here? We, we probably, even though you're a good on, you're a good defender, uh, we do have better options. And, and you're getting, the into, option the, you're getting Beasley, into the penalty yeah. uh, with all mm. the fouls. And he's missed more open shots, I think, than any anybody on the roster so, so yeah. far this year. And I do believe, I, I used to chart it. I haven't lately. I think he probably has more personal fouls than field goals still. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, oh, I think that's which is a, a damning indictment. I mean, you cannot commit more fouls than you make buckets in the NBA. 
uh, and and expect right. to be, you know, a, a real regular rotation member. So, 147 fouls, 142 made shots. Okay, so he's still, even though he has jacked up a lot more shots uh, because he's been in the game a little longer, um, it's still. I mean, that, that that's. <laughs> I'll just say that's unacceptable. You can't foul more often than you you score. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so he finally conceded that, and Torian Prince really helped that process by, uh, you know, finally validating the faith you've had in him. You know, credit to you. I might have given up on him by now. I was perfectly willing to trade him for, you know, a, another piece at the trade deadline, you know. Uh but I also think Jalen Noel, Torian Prince, they are in their groove now in part because of Finch, in part because of what he sees. But You he know also, who else, Britt? Who? Because of Vando. Yeah, I know. You're right. I mean, Van, the thing about Vando. The versatility. It, it allows. He has some offense now. You, you know, it's, it's cliche to say, like, the NBA is – has become positionalist. I I actually don't agree with that. You had a great uh, tweet last night that I hope you're about to say. I I don't think so. It wasn't it wasn't related to a tweet. Go ahead. What was well, that? What, what you said? My- yeah. Now you're gonna forget what you had to say because I'm yeah. praising your tweet. But uh, essentially, what you said is Vando was guarding Nurkic. Yeah. Nurkic leaves the game with his fourth foul, and Vando is guarding Simons. That's mm-hmm. versatility. And that allows that allows Jalen Noel, McDaniel's, and Prince to be positionless players, right. because then Prince can check into the game and not have to be the power forward, or he can guard the, or he can be the power forward right. because now Vando's out there to it, the rota- which you know, like the rotations are an obsession of mine. They really are fascinating. Yeah, and 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 it's because they're. They're very structured, but they're very non-traditional. I mean, all the time this stuff happens where like a two guard checks in for a four and it still works, you know, and and this. Figuring out how to do that around Ant, Cat and D'Lo is and always was going to be extremely difficult. It The, the reason this became an obsession of mine is because I saw it losing the Wolves games last year under Saunders. Right. The rotation broke games because you couldn't. Saunders wasn't able to puzzle it together in a way or when he did, there would just be this huge gap and they just get killed. The second unit and would just be decimated. Remember like the beginning of fourth quarters? Yeah. Last year. You crossed your fingers. Smack. Okay. Until and they got the full smacked. house line. And, but that <laughs> was under Finch. That was Finch. That was Finch. <laughs> so it's navigating it is you know finch and i think mike honori plays a big role in in this this whole rotational tweak but it, it's also vanderbilt authentically being a positionless player right and and that allows more gray area between the other guys and and it allow, I, like some of these you kind of like ooh here's a lineup combination i like you know now it's it's the starters minus delo jalen noel's in there or you can get something funky with like McDaniel's and Prince and Noel are all out there, but also Ant and Cat, you know. Right. And there's just there's far fewer times 
when I'm looking at the five guys out on the floor and I go, I think we messed this one up. (laughs) You know? And uh, yeah. What I love is that, you know, you know me and Okogi, I have an unreasonable affection for the guy. Um, There have been three or four times this season where I go, well, that's it for Okogi, you know? And it's like four games of absence. All of a sudden, hey, there's Okogi. And he's playing well. I mean, he's in the middle of this, you know, he's got Mm -hmm. eight minutes where he's plus five. And Chris Finch has seen, you know, if I put Okogi between uh, Noel and Beasley, they have all the shots and Okogi goes and gets the man that they've left behind. You know, it's. I think Okogi is a perfect example, Britt, of what we're talking about with the the Vanderbilt um, versatility, allowing other guys to get into the rotation and play. It doesn't work for Okogi no. because they're functionally <laughs> the, the same, same player, thing. Except for Okogi's not as versatile because he right. can't contribute to the offense. Let's face it, he just cannot. I mean, I'm with you on that finally. Um, and on defense, he is a wonderful pest. And sometimes he's even a better option than Bando. But in the, that. In the long run of things, Vando provides you with better continuity with your main guys. And, um, and again, if, if Okogi had taken half of the offensive steps forward that Vando has taken just in the last three weeks over the course of the last three years, uh, he'd be getting paid uh, three or $4 million more per year than he's going to get. I, I think, I think with the Kogi, I think this is something I was right about last year. He needed to be used as a four and he needed to be used as a screener to be able to be able to play offensively. And that never was really tried. And then it kind of was at the end of the year and he wasn't good at it. He doesn't screen well because he's too antic. Yeah, it's well. And I think some of this isn't his fault because He's played guard his whole life. He played point guard right, all summer right. for Nigeria, you know? So it's, I think where I was kind of wrong there is I thought that was an easier skill set to just kind of put in and do because we've seen it with like, the I'm compared it to like Bruce Brown and some dudes like that right, around the right. league who have, who have kind of done some of that stuff. Akogi's, Akogi's never done that. And I think Finch is kind of like, well, this experiment we could experiment with, but it's probably going to take a lot of time and resources that we just that we just don't have, and Vanderbilt's ascension has made it unnecessary. And I also think if you don't evolve, I think Bruce Brown has been scouted out. I think Okogi has been I, scouted out. True. You know where yeah. what they do well. If if other teams need to take that away, they can take it away. They can make and that. Vanderbilt has not been scouted exactly. out. I mean, there's <laughs> still you annoyances. I mean, the guy there, there, is, there's still problems. There's still problems that happen with some, some spacing stuff like that. But he has not, not been scouted out. He could not yeah. shoot from the right side of the basket at the beginning nope. of the year. I mean, or catch. And now you know he's doing reverse layups and uh, mm-hmm. dribbling out of trouble with three people around him, and you know, uh, and also you know putting up 13, 13, and six. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, Britt, what was so um, focusing on him a lot in the summer is the Wolves didn't have a lot of, you know, like off season stuff to do. I really like tried to focus in on the Vanderbilt part of it and figure out like 
what's the right amount of money here? You know, or like, right, right. what what makes this? I think the, the right league move? did the same thing, and I think he got screwed. I I think that for sure happened because th- this is the way I put it was he and I was looking at those EPM numbers again this morning. Um, Vando last year was 98th percentile and defensive effective plus minus. Right. And the way I put it numerous times over the summer was what will define we the, what I said was what will define how much he gets paid is whether he's actually a 58th percentile defender or a 78th percentile defender. I'd said, and I'm wrong about this, but I said, we know he's not a 98th percentile defender. <laughs> and and what the league determined in the offseason was 58th percentile. Right. Or maybe 65, yeah. but certainly. Yeah, but it not enough. It wasn't a bidding war. And also, he's. he's you know what he is right is. now, Britt? You know what he is right now? 99th percentile. Yeah. It went up. It went well, up. But can you keep him on the floor? Okogi could probably crack the 90s, but. You, how can he you does. keep him on the Akogi floor? is. Okogi's <laughs> 90th. All right. And, but, but Vanderbilt the other night, yeah. he banked in a, a six-footer like right in front of the rim. And you just go, oh, yeah. man, you know, you lucky son of a bitch. Uh, you're I mean, living. it's like <laughs> at the same time, he'll do something like that. But that's no longer just the norm. Then he'll turn around and, you know, streak from the corner on, you know, a transition basket where he looks like, you know, he, he should be, you know, in the layup drill with, you know, the Globetrotters right. or something. You know? <laughs> the, the, his defensive play at the end of the game, that was a steal, but it was like a little bit too chaotic. His head, he looked yeah. like he was about to fall over in pursuit of the ball yeah. in a fast break. You kind of wanted him to just pick it up and go dunk it, but he was, it was a little out of control. So he, he winds up in the right corner, right? And then he's like, oh, there's D'Lo. And D'Lo <laughs> hits that three, right? That was huge. I mean, it was, I mean... Vanderbilt individually is not a game changer. It's it's when you put who he who he is Next around Kat. other cat and other competent players or well above average offensive players that you can get a 13, 13, and six sort right. of night. And these things are not that wasn't a flash in the pan game no. from Vando. I mean, th- it's been a lot of these double digit rebounding nights. It's been a lot of these. A double-digit cutting nights. Those numbers will go down when Pat Bev returns, just because Beverly will have the ball more. I think one of the reasons that Vando gets the ball is because he's open so much. Um, Mm. And I think that Pat Bev – anyway, I I, I just feel like – I think think Pat Bev – I think Pat Bev – tilts the the below-the-nail offense towards Cat more. And D'Lo tilts the the below nail offense to Vando. And I, I also that think, sense? I, yes, and I also think there's less below the nail offense with that Bev, unless he's doing the floater. I I don't yeah. think he's uh, he's not as snazzy a passer as D'Lo, and he understands that the way he gets people open is by being aggressive off the dribble, and I think that works against Vando's cutting um, because he'll clog the space. Um, I think, I think Pat Bev is, uh, is kind of a mathematician. Yeah. And, and and also somebody who, who thinks that two plus two equals five sometimes and fuck you if you hmm. don't, you know, I mean, that, that, that is his weakness. And I I heard an interesting, he needs to shoot less too, by the way. (laughs) Right. I heard an interesting anecdote a couple months ago about 
Pat Bev. And, you know, there's all this like he said Minnesota was one of his top destinations right, right. and all that. And people, you know, sort of scoffed to that. But from somebody who I I I, I do trust that they, they told me Cat was a huge part of uh, Pat Bev wanting to come here. Excellent. And 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 I think it's just. Pat understanding the sheer force of a 50, 40, 90 offensive player in, in cats, you know, who he was like Pat Bev knew that coming into this on paper, that that's, that's who cat was. And I think he understands maybe more than anyone on the team when tapped into how valuable that is. So maybe sometimes what happens with him is He's trying to tap into that a little bit more because he's like, man, if we can just plug Cat in, like this is profitable offense. But that's kind of right. That's the tricky part with Cat is it's not so simple as just right. pressing the green Cat go button. Right. I don't know. It's it's been an interesting dynamic. I think that with the possible exception of Micah Nori, nobody knows Chris Finch in terms of his basketball mind and the way he thinks mm. than Pat Bev. And, right. and I think that those guys have a mind meld that will keep him here. I feel good about this too, by the way, but I think it, I will be shocked. If Pat Bev gets traded, I think it will be, and I could be totally wrong about this, but I think Chris Finch will will lay his body down for Pat Bev to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – yeah. You that know, becomes a more interesting proposition in the offseason when he's a free agent. I think, yeah. I mean, trading him at the deadline would be, yeah. Finch, Finch would is be a putting his body down and rolling around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. hell of a gamble. Yeah. I mean, Mark Laurie better have some magic tricks up his sleeve on that one if uh, if that <laughs> happens because, you know, that would be some rich bullshit. Uh, right. No, so, with, with, with Pat, it'll be interesting for him to get back here this weekend too for these three big games. Yeah, I actually figured he'd be back for uh, McCullough or, you know, or Kyrie, mm-hmm. you know, one of those guys. Uh, I think they're just going like extra conservative. As they, and, and also it's Pat Bev. I mean, this yeah. is this is the the guy has um, he is like a car with one hundred ninety thousand miles on it. Uh, and you figure mm-hmm. you get two fifty and how many, you know, it's it's not quite the same as a two-day guy or two-way guy and you're you have a limited number of games but there are times where you're saying all right do we need pat bev what stretch do we need him you know and and when will he be ready because he has proven that um well they need him brit at the end of the season and in the playoffs yeah that's true (laughs) <laughs> that so so you got to get the car to the finish line. Say, you know, at this point, I know. And yeah, you kind of just also say, well, because even if you lose, you know, all three of these upcoming games, you're probably ninth. You know, right. uh, so it's 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 a getting back to Chris Finch. What I will say is that. He loves to talk about basketball in a way that basketball players find refreshing. Um, That is not as easy as it sounds. It's a very basic two statements. But I think when Ryan Saunders, and not to rip on Ryan all day, because Ryan was doing the best he could, but when Ryan Saunders talked basketball, um, 
it wasn't innovative. It wasn't things that, it were things that made sense, but it wasn't things that put the game on tilt mm -hmm. in a way that you went, oh, yeah, I can see, right. you know. I mean, I remember last year when Finch was talking about um, the, 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 the space between quote unquote possessions, the time when in between the time somebody gets a rebound and they initiate the half court offense, that's not dead space to him. And, yeah. you know, how many coaches have thought that way? I haven't heard of many, you know? Well, well, last year with Ryan and it, it, it wasn't just Ryan, it was the combination of Ryan and Gerson right. and, and a roster that couldn't really get in. Egocentric Gerson. Right. I mean, but I think that's why it would have been, it, it's a great thought experiment to, to think about whether Gerson would be in some ways hindering Finch right now. Um, because his ego would disagree with him on something fundamental. Mm -hmm. But I got to say that no one has been able to, on the down low, execute Gerson's crazy, we shoot nothing but threes and at the rim, as it's so stealthy. I mean, yeah. this team does not look like those boring Houston teams. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, but it almost always ends up in a three or a paint shot. Right. More naturally, it which just, I guess is probably flow. that flow that he's been talking about. Yeah, He loves to talk about flow. He loves to talk about moving without the ball and moving the ball. Those are what he calls his first principles. It It's just unique because that's not how most teams are defined when you watch them. And it's not how most coaches talk about how they define their exactly. teams. Exactly. I mean, this guy is not part of the normal when there's a group chat he doesn't necessarily speak in shorthand because that's not his shorthand you know mm -hmm. and so i find it refreshing um that example i just gave you about you know that space between possessions yeah. that's when i began to get charmed by him um and then you know i had that vegas conversation where he just was you know he has a habit, you know, which is doesn't look as good in print where he goes, yeah, yeah, as you're saying things. I'll be saying, that guy sucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, he just is basically saying, get to it because I want to respond to what you're saying now, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, he's an open book. And like it's I say, Nick Nursey. it's Nick Nursey. Yeah. And, and and I do think he he does have a great way. If you listen carefully almost everything he says about players has a laudatory aspect to it he called Delo like one of the best passers in the nba um mm. and lo and behold Delo kind of has been the last couple of weeks but before that you didn't see it and um i love brit how he doesn't um his earnest belief of what skill sets are are not are not <laughs> tied to statistics it's kind of like um i don't know like like torian prince is an example right now of like i think he's and i think most people he, he is a better shooter than his three-point percentage suggests right because he's guarded as if he's a three-point shooter right so to some extent it doesn't really mad it doesn't matter what his three-point percentage is and finch takes that on like a super macro scale of 
envisioning things in players. And to his fault, too, as we just talked about right. with Jaden McDaniels. But but I think he sees what he sees that we don't is what can become. And and that's because he has such a higher basketball IQ than you or I do, you know. Right. Right. And and it allows him to picture things, right? In in a way that we need to see it to believe it. And um it's not perfect. A, a lot of there's still a lot of issues sure. along the way with this team, but yeah, I guess the, the the way to put it is whatever that vision was, he's kind of chiseled down some and it's coming into I don't know, it's it's coming into being more of a reality. Well, and the other thing I like is that you know how we talk about defenders doing their work by bumping mm. people out of their spots before they've even posted up to get the ball. Finch does his work with communication so that when he yanks somebody and puts somebody else in, it's not an issue. I mean, he's he's somehow got a communication with that guy. That guy, yeah. for whatever reason, is not offended. Uh, you know, Pat Bev says he speaks with one voice in practice. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he's not two-faced. He's not somebody who's going to sell you a bill of goods uh, and then do something else. Uh, he loves the repartee with the media. He doesn't take it seriously at all. Uh, you know, if somebody tries to yeah. get his goat, he, he just, he's bemused, you know? Mm -hmm. And and so, and yet at the same time, if an out-of-town media guy, I can't remember who, I think it was some guy, I think in Portland the other night, just said, give me the thumbnail on Jared Vanderbilt this season. Yeah, it was and, he, Kevin and, he, yeah. and boom, you know, for like yeah. the next five minutes, you got a perfect thumbnail on what Vando's done this season. All right. He's a uh, Chris Finch is a unique character and, and you kind of just get to know him along the way. Right. Because it's not that he puts that much out there. You kind of got to be paying attention to, you know, not only to what he's saying, but to what's, what's happening. Um, he, like we said, to tie back to the beginning, as we were talking about Ant and what you brought up was coming into this season, the two biggest things to be excited about with this team the emergence of Anthony Edwards and the ethos of Chris Finch taking hold onto this roster. And we've spent the last 70 minutes talking about those two things happening. And that's why the Wolves are an above 500 team right now. It's why they're a team that it's reasonable to expect to, to get out of the play-in mix. Right. Um, that's who they can be because of those guys. And they're getting the buzz. I mean, you know when you know you beat Just ask Bro Kat. you beat Brooklyn. <laughs> you beat Brooklyn. That helps. You know, I forget who else they yeah. beat. You know, they beat New York, I guess. But yeah, it's uh, it's fun, and I've expressed my affection for this team and for the coach, um, and for the style of play most of all. Mm -hmm. um, but again, to bring it full circle. At the end of the day, their ceiling, you know, somebody has knocked out the attic apartment and put in a little cathedral on the wall ceiling, and that guy is Anthony Edwards, you know. And they, they have a much prettier ceiling now. As you detailed in your column today, it's now up at mimpost.com. Oh, great, it's, great. It's titled, which you don't get to write your titles. No, it's titled, 
this ant be real. <laughs> Anthony Edwards is emerging as the Timberwolves not so secret superhero. Uh, again, I thought uh, I was like reading your work, Rip. I thought this one was uh, particularly on the nose and uh, and and well written. So check out uh, Britt's piece at Min Post. You can obviously follow him on Twitter at Britt Robson. Uh, we've got three games in the next four days against three of the best teams in the NBA for this Timberwolves team, which will. As any three games will do uh, against good or bad opponents, teach us teach us a lot about uh, who this team is and where they're going. Uh, Britt, we'll get back to talk next week after that. I appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. All right, until then, he's Britt. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com